0: Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. California's largest school district, Los Angeles Unified, is pushing hard this year to get thousands of chronically absent students back in class. Half of all students in the district missed 15 or more days of school last year, whether because of illness, mental health, family needs, or disconnection from school. This week, we hear from one of the attendance counselors who tracks down those missing students and tries to get them back to school.
1: That is amazing
0: and incredible. The difference that you can make in a person's life. Why are absences skyrocketing? And how can schools help students to return? Here is this week's Education
2: Beat with host Zadie Stavely. Ophelia Ryan spends her days calling the homes of students who have been absent from school. And then, if she doesn't hear back, going out to knock on doors.
1: You go in, introduce yourself, and if there is nobody home, then you begin to knock at the doors of the neighbors and you kind of get information. Do you know who the family that lives here is? Uh, Are you familiar with them? Um, Do you know the names of the people who live here?
2: It's all about gathering information, trying to track down the student and their family. Once Ophelia gets in touch, she switches to figuring out why the student has been absent and how to help them get back to class. She says the reasons vary. At the height of the pandemic in 2020, families were facing especially hard times.
1: The pandemic was a nightmare because who could have ever, ever expect something like this to happen, right? This is the U.S. Come on. Things don't happen here. We're, we're the first world. So... As much as we thought we were prepared for anything, we were not at all. The schools ordered the laptops and they were teaching us how to do A, B, C, and D so that we could guide families. But then when you finally reached to the family, they didn't have internet services or money to pay.
2: Ophelia says a lot of people were surprised by how difficult it was for parents. But for pupil services and attendance counselors like her, who knew the difficulties families faced... It wasn't all that surprising.
1: We knew that many of the kids that are left at home, they are either alone or in the Southeast Los Angeles area, it may be with a grandparent that doesn't speak English. So if you and the kid couldn't figure out how to connect, that was it. And the second issue was many parents have to leave early to go to work. So you would call the kid at 7 and say, hey, get ready, yeah, yeah, I'll get ready. 7.30, get ready, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Are you up? Yes, yes, I'm up. And the kid stayed in bed all day. <laughs> so the parent wouldn't learn about the issue until we finally found them, and they would, we would be like, your kid has been out for three days, for five days. No, I call them every morning.
2: This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, tracking down absent students. Ophelia says that as the pandemic went on, more and more families were dealing with profound difficulties. Some lost family members to COVID. Others lost employment.
1: It was... Super overwhelming, super draining, because we are also used to speak with a family that is going through mourning or that is going through an issue of someone losing their job. But you get one of these calls every 10 calls. And what happened to us was that every call had so many issues that at the end of the day, you were like drained, exhausted. Your brain was unhooked. It was very, very difficult.
2: Last year, when school started classes in person again, lots of families still didn't want their kids to go back to class, mainly because of fear.
1: I got many parents who told me, nope, we are still having the pandemic. And I know how many kids you have in a classroom. And I know what happens when you go to breaks. So this is my child and we're not going and do whatever you want. And uh, there's nothing you can do when a parent says, I don't feel my child is safe. And if they really don't feel that it's safe, there's nothing you can do.
2: And this school year, the aftermath from the pandemic is still affecting many families.
1: A lot of people lost jobs. Uh, People had to move in with family members or had to find another residence. So the consequences of when their basic needs are not met. You have to work a lot of, a lot on getting resources to them. That's one of the issues, and when there was a death in the family, suddenly the person who was getting the needs met is gone, and you are mourning the loss and also facing a financial burden that you knew you were going to face, but you're not capable of taking care of.
2: Earlier this year, LAUSD estimated that between 10,000 and 20,000 students are missing from school. They've been pushing hard this year to find these kids and get them back to class. My colleague Kate Cicada has been covering this for EdSource. Hi, Kate. Hi. So tell me, you know, how big of a problem is this chronic absenteeism in LAUSD?
3: Yes, it's a pretty big problem. There's been a lot of, you know, students who have kind of dropped off over the course of this time, just with everything that's happened. Just looking at last year, you know, around 50% of students had been chronically absent. And of course, that also puts into play people who were gone because they were were sick with, you know, COVID and everything. And so you have to think about that as well. But if you don't look at those who were absent because of COVID, then the number is still like pretty close to 30% who were chronically absent.
2: So why is there such a big focus on on absenteeism in particular?
3: Because uh, being chronically absent really impacts your ability to do well in school, because when you're not there, you know, you're missing um, crucial lessons and that sort of thing that you kind of have to like go back and catch up. And sometimes it's hard to catch up on things when, you know, the rest of the class is also, you know, progressing. And so it kind of like piles on. And so, you know, that's been a really important thing, especially just with you know, a lot of progress lost over the last few years, you know, looking at the smarter balance assessment scores and everything too, you know, you can see like that there has been some loss because of COVID. And so by having kids back in person, it'll be easier to address that as well.
2: And does LAUSD, like, how does it compare to other districts in the state in terms of, you know, the effort and then also the chronic absenteeism? The chronic absenteeism seems pretty high. Um, But are other districts also doing this kind of effort?
3: Um, There's definitely other districts that are also working on reaching out to students and doing, you know, phone calls, of course, and then also like home visits. I know, for example, Long Beach Unified has taken some of those efforts.
2: So, Kate, early this school year, L.A.'s new superintendent, Alberto Carvalho, went out to knock on doors himself. I know you joined him on one of these visits to homes. Can you share what you saw?
3: yeah it was definitely really interesting um we went to a few different homes throughout the district in different areas of la you know one of the families for example there is one child in in middle school and um his name is cloud and he had had a little bit of trouble with just bullying and that sort of thing at school and a lot of kind of anxiety built up around um returning to class and that had made it really difficult and so um that had sort of kind of prevented him from going consistently back to school and so um, this year has been a process uh, definitely of adapting back into the rhythm of school and like kind of combating those you know discomforts that come with it as well with you know support of their um, attendance counselor for example that's kind of set up a plan for him and everything and then you know another student that i had talked to as well um, his name was yordi and he's in high school you know, he had just really gotten out of the habit of going to class. You know, before COVID, he had gone. You know, every day, like part of his regular routine. But then after you know being uh, online and then returning, it was just a little bit harder to get back into the habit and um, you know feel motivated to go to school again.
2: Um. And did the visits make a difference for them? Um. Yeah, it looks like it.
3: Um. Yeah, I think that at having the superintendent, for one thing, come to your door made them kind of realize, okay, like, maybe this is a big deal. But of course, it's still not, you know, an easy process to kind of get back into the rhythm of things and, you know, address whatever was kind of in front of them as well.
1: It makes a huge difference when someone that is perceived in a position of authority knocks at the door and when everybody else knows that the superintendent is looking into it.
2: This is Ophelia Ryan again, the Pupil Services and Attendance Counselor also known as PSA counselor. She says that the work done by counselors like her was sometimes underappreciated before. But she's seen a big change since the pandemic in how much district and school leaders value PSA counselors work.
1: Usually what we have to deal with is numbers. You're as good as your numbers are. <laughs> so if you have been killing yourself because you have families in need, people tended not to see that, they went into, how are the numbers in your school? I have a three-day PSA counselor and my attendance is not going up. So what do we want to buy a counselor for? And it was difficult to keep explaining, look, this family, that family. So since the pandemic happened and everybody had to experience so many issues and many administrators, teachers and out of the classroom staff have to do outreach and learn what happened with the families, there is a shift. There has been a positive shift into shift into understanding what is important, how much time you spend helping a family. Everybody began to realize what PSA counselors do and how important it is to take care of child welfare and to provide families with the support. So This is the first time in 20 years when we have more demand than people. And it's incredible because to us it's great. Finally, we are going to start looking into providing schools with the support they need. I've been in the district for a little over 20 years. And Superintendent Carvalho is the first superintendent that actually has put so much emphasis on attendance.
2: Ophelia says Carvalho is planning another outreach visit this Friday, November 4th.
1: Superintendent Carvalho has already shared with a lot of people that he experienced homelessness. He was a homeless student and that impacted him. So he has been so positive, such a resource. And uh, that has really made me very hopeful because... He's the first superintendent that has put us at the front and that has said it's important to help the kids and we're going to do outreach and we're going to help families.
0: As a nonprofit organization, EdSource depends on donations and grants to sustain our quality journalism. We rely on listeners like you. Between now and December 31st, EdSource has a goal to raise $100,000 to support our journalism. Make your donation today at edsource.org.
2: Kate, did anything surprise you while you were reporting this? I
3: think one of the most interesting things was that the district officials who were there actually ran into more students that they didn't even have on their lists that were um, also chronically absent. And so I remember, you know, one of the families that we visited, it was the first family they had you know gone to like talk to the kids and uh, bring them school supplies and everything and then it turns out that the mom that um i believe it was her sister family member who was also chronically absent and they hadn't realized that she hadn't really returned back to school and so that was kind of another person that they added to their list and then you know another family that they had visited there's two kids kind of walking uh with a family member across the street and um, a few people went to talk to them, and it turns out they hadn't been in class either. And so there was a bunch of just new faces kind of popping up, which is part of the reason that the range is so big of the number of students that are chronically absent.
2: I'm just a little bit confused. Like, how are people not going to school, but they're not on the outreach list?
3: Basically, they have lists based on, um, you know, what schools are showing as, like, you know, attendance rates for students and that sort of thing. But then like some students may have sort of dropped out and they've been gone basically for a while. So they're not sure if they're like even part of the district anymore and like stuff like that. You know, for example, they might have moved and not have told the district. You know, there's been so many visits since then. And like even that day, like across all the local districts, there were a lot of home visits. And so, you know, it makes you really think about just the number of students that have been found and probably the number that, you know, also maybe haven't been reached as well.
2: It's unclear yet how much the efforts on the part of the district are paying off. And Ophelia Ryan says the work is hard and heartbreaking. You take the
1: families home. We get home and while you're cooking, you're thinking, you know, maybe if I call so-and-so, I can get this or that. Or who can I hit for this? Hmm, where can I get that?
2: But she knows that the work she and her colleagues are doing matters. As president of the Association of Pupil Services and Attendance Counselors, Ophelia interviews students who are applying for scholarships from the group. Last year, she interviewed one student whose story particularly moved her. This
1: student had um, come out of the closet and she had to face that reality and her issues. So the PSA counselor provided her with support and referrals for counseling. And then her family was evicted and she had to move with a sister that was far away and they had arguments with the sister. So the sister beat her up and then she had to go homeless. And then She's talking to me during the interview for the scholarship, telling me her story. And then she goes, you know, and finally I got the tokens so I didn't have to walk for two hours. I just had to walk like for 40 minutes. And you go like, what, hold on a second, hold on. You were walking for two hours? And she goes, yeah, because we didn't have money for buses and I had to move out of of my sister home and I had to put a restraining order. And you go what what what? Oh my God! And she keeps talking about that, like yeah, the restraining order, and then she wanted to look for me to beat me up again. So our families face issues that I could not deal with as an adult in the same way that that this teenager was dealing with. Her strength, her ability to bounce back, her willingness to come back. It touches you in a way that I, I was crying.
2: The student also shared how her attendance counselor helped her.
1: And... um Suddenly, she keeps talking about, and me, so-and-so helped me, and I knew that if I needed something, I could go and talk to her. So sometimes I didn't want to go to school, but I went to see her, and that is amazing and incredible. The difference that you can make in a person's life under horrible and horrendous circumstances
2: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools, a production of EdSource. You can find Kate's story at edsource.org. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Ophelia Ryan and Kate Cicada. Our CEO is Anne Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join me next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode.